Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kisson. And this is a show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant returning guest this week is one of Britain's only openly Tory comedians, Jeff Norcott. Welcome back to Trigonometry. Still out, still proud. <laughs> Uh, when you said fascinating, I thought he was going to say fascists. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only people having fascist <laughs> conversations with fascists. Anyway, this might be the last one before society sort of like uh, concertinas because of the coronavirus. What a it? great word, yeah. concertinas. I don't know where it came from. I went, up, I went upstairs to the brain and the brain went, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Why have you started with this? And then it came up with an actually needlessly complicated one. But yeah, but yeah this could be when we're all in self-isolation watching this. This could be the last bit of like, you know new content. Yeah, it could be, mate. People could be watching you from the bunker. This could be it, you know. And then, and then when future societies that rebuild after the Mad Max dystopia that coronavirus will definitely be, <laughs> and we're not getting slightly overreacting, uh, and then this will be it. They'll judge culture by what we say in this next hour. Well, that's a lot of pressure on this episode. But <laughs> yeah. actually, I was thinking back to the last time we had you on the show, and I remember, th- yeah. just think how much has changed. It's been less than a year. Mm. My opening question, I think, to you was, you're a working class Tory. What's that all about? Yeah. Well, I think we've seen, as I spit on you with my corona, sorry. That's what people normally do from the left. <laughs> they tell me I'm working class Tory. They say you're a working class Tory and then they spit on they you. They spit yeah. in your face. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough about it. It was a nice loop. Yeah, yeah. it just went all as it, as it went over. It had, yeah. a, it had a pleasing sort of trajectory. It was like a log. But anyway, so. Yeah. Just to say, I love the fact that we're all hyper well aware now of saliva. Have you noticed yeah, that? Yeah. Before, it wouldn't even mention, worth a mention. Now, you're like, see it in slow motion. Well, see, on, on the train coming down here, like there's people coughing and that look you know like in those alien films where where there's some sort of contagion and yeah. then one person on the ship has got it but they're trying to hide it because yeah. yeah, they've yeah. got boils coming out on their yeah. skin yeah. now I was, on, I was on stage the other day in, uh, in Bromsgrove and uh, I had a couple of coughs come up just as you do naturally but the stakes for, for suppressing it felt so high <laughs> do you know what I mean because like, like there's the, you know sort of several thousand people in front of you. <laughs> I mean, there was only, this would be what's interesting, right, is if this ban comes in and they say, right, Liz, there's a ban on kind of gatherings over 500 people, then it will really show where people are at in their sort of touring. Yeah. Because mm. I'll go, I'll be fine. <laughs> I am comfortably, yeah. yes, <laughs> haven't become that successful yet. I'm unsuccessful enough to deal with the coronavirus. Yeah, no problems. Not even anywhere near 500 Smashing people. it. Anyway, sorry, you are saying about like... I was trying to make a serious point, but that, that's gone out of the window with corona. But my point was... It's my British kind of like blitz spirit yeah, kicking in. Yeah, it is. Brawl out the barrel, <laughs> but keep your distance for now. Is this how you close the show, Jeff? That is going to be it tonight. Just have like a little mask on. That, yeah. You know, work yeah. for Michael Jackson. I'm opening for Jeff tonight, so it's going to be me, him, and three people who still turn <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, if the audience are really coughing, you might be doing the whole show. Yeah. So just go, and Jeff Norcott, I'll be going there. <laughs> just you, mate. There'll just be some stage hand saying that he left in, uh, in one of those He outfits. snuck out the door. You know those... Uh, Outfits that you get in, in, in ET when the uh, when the fellas arrived. Yeah, that'll be. I'll come out on stage like that. So. <laughs> I, 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 you know, for now, I, I'm. I, I think what I have is. I was thinking about this the other day. Is um, I have, and this applies to politics, and it does apply to your point. Is a, I have a mixture of optimism and apathy, where I I both I believe everything's going to be all right in the end in, in almost every situation. But that's also slightly born of the fact that I am true. I'm apathetic enough to know I can't change things. And in the situation where you can't change things, you might as well be optimistic, right? Yeah. Or if you're not going to do anything to change things. There's no point getting upset about something that you're not going to actively try and uh, orchestrate a different outcome. So I'm going to call it optimism. 
Uh, have you ever thought about tweeting about it, though? Because that can make a difference. Well, mm. tweeting, yeah. I, 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 well, the interesting thing about tweeting, right, because I suppose we will come on to the, the culture wars, mm. I was sort of thinking about why people still feel this need to believe that it's some sort of source, like a uh, force for good or even mm. change, right? When all of the evidence repeatedly, every time the real public get a chance to have a vote on something, suggests that it's miles out. And I, I was thinking, one, I think it's because of Me Too, where that was one of the few times where it had genuinely was a genuinely impactful movement that was started simply on Twitter. Mm. But that is very much the exception that proves the rule, isn't it? I think people have gone, well, this is what could always happen through Twitter, whereas actually what happened there was quite a useful way of women that had, you know, like sexual harassment or attacks or experiences to come together. It made sense that that happened in Twitter, whereas all this other stuff, it just pisses away on the wind. You think every day there's things that don't happen on Twitter where people are trying to generate a movement or, or, or a meme. And, you know, the last election result was a great example. I mean, mm. we all sat there as on the day, the usual thing that was happening among the left, they were going, you know, I think, I think it could happen, man. I've seen, you know, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen reports of uh, like seven people outside a polling station in Shoreditch, I mm. think. <laughs> They're all baking their own rye bread. I think it could happen. And, mm. and even I, even I, like with my views, was like, oh, shit, is Jeremy going to do it? You know, have we got it, have we got it mm. horribly wrong? And then, Again, it may be like the 2017 election. It, that was another exception that, that, that proved the rule. And Twitter is like a mass gaslighting operation, isn't it? Like yeah. you think that Twitter is real life and then you have an election, you find out it really isn't. Well, gaslighting is a, is a good example of a word that is pretty much only used on Twitter. <laughs> like all comics will make that mistake if we'll go out and we'll say, hey, you're just gaslighting me and you just feel like this thing in the room where like 97% of people didn't know what the fuck you were talking about. Mm. Gaslighting is a Twitter word. Gammon know? is the same. Yeah, Do you yeah. know gammon, gammon is exactly yeah, you know, Oh, I've used that about people, and I've used it in front of people that would probably use that word if they knew what it meant. Mm. If you know what I mean, they'd yeah. probably find the word quite funny. Gaslighting, you know, gammon, all of these words are kind of chattering classes words. And when I say chattering classes, I, I don't just mean from the left. I mean all of us that are involved mm. in this kind of heaving, fucking ongoing culture war online that just hasn't. It's like it's like there's a country, and you know, like you find out sometimes you hear that there's war in a country, and then you think, well, how did how did daily life go on? Mm. And then you find out the war was only in this one bit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, Do you think that bit is called London? That Jeff? bit is with London, <laughs> but you, but yeah, just people are of that disposition having those debates, and that's how you end up, you know, with uh, with uh, you know a very large Tory majority. Um, all right, finally, we're back to my question. Yeah, so sorry, concentrate, mate, it's boys. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about my question. So. I mean, the irony is that I asked you, like, working-class Tory, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. What we find out, actually, yeah. I mean, half the country is now, seemingly, it right? It seems to be. You know, and the last set of polling figures is the, you know, Tory vote, uh, the, the expre- it, the, it's Westminster intentions, right, where mm. they poll, what mm. would you vote if there was another election right now? I think most people vote, why the fuck are we having another election? Mm. But in theory, and it's gone up to 50%. And it actually, when you look at, like, what's been happening in Labour over quite a long period of time, this actually goes back a long way. This goes back to, the, this, this, part of this is to do with how they perform in England. Right, they mm. the last time they won the popular vote in England was I think in two thousand and one. Labour, you talking yeah, about? 2001. Yeah, two thousand one. So you think that is that that's going back to the bit when it was good, right? Mm. Well, from their point of view, or, or the bit where they were propped up by Scotland or the Welsh vote. Um, so, so it's been an issue with particularly the working class in England for some time. But if it's any consolation to Labour, they've won the moral victory every time, Jeff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they've, they've uh, practically a one-party state when it comes to the, <laughs> since, since their inception. They, they've been in power. They've been in unbroken power ever since, what was it, uh, Niall Bevan invented the uh, NHS, which no one else
else was definitely, no one else was thinking about. I mean, like, it's not the hardest thing to invent, is it? I mean, it's, it's sort of like just going, oh, you know, it's health service that we have. Like, it does feel like there could be a national version of it, but just can't put the words together. And then Nye Bevan just had this eureka moment. That is odd, the way that, because apparently, apparently Churchill was, and, you know, there was a big mood at the time of lots of people thinking, how can we have a health service that's national. Mm. And Nye Bevan went, how about a national health service? They went, genius. Because <laughs> <laughs> they did what Steve Jobs did with the, you know that Bill Burr routine? Oh, yeah. Where Steve Jobs just come and goes, ah, how about if we uh, just put loads of shit on the phone? You know, get <laughs> your songs and your map. <laughs> Nye Bevan did that with the health service. That is such a brilliant Bill Burr routine. Yeah. Old yeah. phone can't fit the new charger. Is that yeah. your hero? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, 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 are you... Are you happy in terms of, do you feel like working class people are, are really having their say and have yeah. been heard? Well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you look at like the Brexit vote, I mean, they're like the, the what is it? The CD2E demographic, mm. which is effectively covers the working class, um, was swinging towards the Tories from 2015 onwards. And I think it's one of those things that people have tried to put uh, sticking plasters over and now I've realised that this is a fundamental and more long-standing migration. What you had in this last election was perhaps some of the last bastions of people that you would have thought would have never done that, you know. Because mm. bear in mind, you already had uh, ex-mining villages and towns going conservative in 2015 and 17. Mm. Uh, Ashby, uh, Ben Bradley, who's a MP for Mansfield, you know, that was an ex-mining town. So some people were just crossing the Rubicon because they just don't feel that the Labour Party in its current guys uh, really rep- represents them. And I know that, that, like, you know, a lot of Labour politicians were saying, well, uh, well you know, our policies were very popular, you know. Um, but they, I think they were saying individually each mm. policy was mm. popular economically, right? But did they ever do a survey of, do you want all these done right now, mm. like in one mm. parliament? Because I think that's a separate thing. Is it? A manifesto is saying this is what we're going to do mm. in the next five years. But what they were polling was, would you like uh, some of the water facilities to be made public again? You know, would you like, uh, you know, a, a rise in corporation tax for the top earners? What they never said was, do you think we should do, do this straight away? Because it's like moving house, isn't it? If you, saw, if you was moving house with your missus or mister, right? And well done, you, mate. Well done. Yeah. 2020. Good work. Men could date women. Women could date men. I was just covering that one. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but if you was moving house and you looked at loads of work and then like your partner was saying to you, partner, yeah. see? Yeah. Sometimes liberals do think up good words. Yeah. But, um, but if, if they were say, oh, we can do this, we can do that and we can knock out the kitchen and we can go through and then we can dig up the garden, go, you know what? Let's just not move. Do you mm. know what I mean? That mm. sounds like a bit much. And I think that maybe the electorate individually like those policies but collectively thought that they were a bit much for one term of office and also it's about realism is it do you think all those things can be realistically done in one budget you can give away yeah. all that free stuff mm. to well, people double, all at once it, it right. was double the spending commitments of the previous uh, manifesto which was also seen as fairly spendy, yeah, <laughs> fairly <laughs> just spendy. Went, and then it obviously it gets to the comedy point where they're just going free ball back yeah. and you go that almost sounds like if you had like if you if you were to back a, a, a socialist into a corner mm. and just like almost make them do word association <laughs> until they come up with the most stupid thing, that would be it. Yeah, They'd just go free ball band, you know, like blurted it out. Didn't brief a lot of their campaigning, you know, um, sort of uh, constituencies and, and and you know the parliamentary Labour Party. They're just like yeah, free ball band, and it was almost like if 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 you could think of a, a, a pledge or a promise that was almost self parodying. That would be it. Mm. Mm. Free broadband. Kids love broadband. Make it free. <laughs> but 
what do you think the challenges that this Conservative government are going to face now? Yeah. In order to, because as Johnson said, mm. they've lent him the vote. Yes. They've lent the party yeah. the vote. What do they need well, to do? Do you think that's true, first of all? Because you've been, uh, you, you're a well, working no, class Tory. You've been a working class Tory for many but, years. But from the South, I do think that there is a difference. Right. You know, like the, yeah. cul the culturally ingrained opposition to the Tories is certainly greater the further yeah. you go up North. Mm. Um, well, not all of the North. I mean, Yorkshire, mm. a lot of parts of Yorkshire are fairly Tory and stuff. Mm. So, mm. But I think the... Uh, it is really important. I think the first year is when the narrative will get set. So mm. that's why a lot of people on the left are immediately trying to pin betrayal narratives on the Tories already, because by the time the narrative set in politics, it's quite early. Like with Corbyn, his first eight weeks, he just turned up, looked scruffy and read out emails. You know? And that, <laughs> it felt like he was always like, you know, punching back a long way from there. So I think that they know that they have to deliver. And that's why you get them drinking the Yorkshire tea. Mm. Like, you know, the old A-up Tories. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I do think there'll come a point where they'll just start speaking in northern accents as well. Going, yeah, we had an emergency meeting at Corbyn. <laughs> and we agreed that there was trouble at Mill. <laughs> and that we would all speak like Jeffrey Boycott. <laughs> and they, you know, they, 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 they're both symbolic measures in terms of having Conservative Party headquarters up north, mm. uh, you know, and maybe having the Lords sit up north. I'm, I'm happy to put the Lords on a permanent tour after that. <laughs> I mean, like, Just like the England football team when it was at Wembley Stadium was getting redone. They could yeah. go on tour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See if they still want their diems <laughs> yeah. once they get outside the M25. Because obviously, well... You know, while Brexit was an issue, the, the attendance rate in the Lords went up exponentially. Mm. Suddenly, they were all, you know, wanted to exercise this parliamentary power that they had, you mm. know. But it took Brexit for them to do it. So, frankly, as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, send them to Morpeth. Mm. No offence to people of Morpeth, <laughs> but it always sounds like the grimmest town up north. <laughs> but, so, do you... So, it was offence to the people of Morpeth. So, going really, back to the question, no, though... They're northerners. What, what, what do you think they need to do? What do you think they need to do if they're going to retain this massive base that they've won? Well, I think that one of the things is that what they've already done is they've had a budget that, that was quite a sort of Blairite budget, really. Mm. But it's also, I mean, it's already been skewed, isn't it? Because they had the floods, right? I mean, that almost seems like old news now, mm. but that, that really depressed economic mm. activity um, up north. And then immediately they've had coronavirus. So what they've done is, 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 is taken measures that are very much... Um, uh, sort of squarely focused in on people in the most vulnerable positions. So that's the first step. I think that budget the other day was a real win, a real win, because obviously there was, there was a number of levels in which it delivered, not least that when Rishi Sunak got the job, a lot of people, these kind of weird, ironic, paradoxical racists on the left, and then say, <laughs> oh, what, they just picked any old brown face to, to step in instead of Saj. I thought... Yeah, wait, ruin his big day. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you're just there because you're because you're brown, mate. But actually, it turns out maybe they knew something. Maybe Saj was given the nudge because this is an extremely <laughs> talented performer. You know, mm. he was that was an exceptional debut mm. to do a budget mm. like mm. after the floods, your first ever budget, and the coronavirus, and he's got to mm. step up there yeah. and just talk. I feel a bit nervous for doing this. <laughs> right, I get nervous for everything. But imagine mm. if it was like, right, you have to. The nation is teetering on the brink of economic collapse. On you go, son. Mm. You know, it's almost like when they put an 18-year-old out, you know, mm -hmm. making his debut for a football team. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, I think and he's got to pull one back an extra time. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, but he did a great job. But do you think uh, are you as I don't know what you're whether you're fiscally conservative or not? Are yeah. you not concerned about the fact that we just seem to be spunking money when we owe more than we've ever owed? Well, there's pragmatism as well, so that's mm. part of the conservative mm. sort of. I mean, when it's obvious that you need to spend money, you spend mm. money. Obviously, mm. we're in a slightly better position to do that because um, we've got borrowing down, and a lot of people will be saying at the moment. Um, you know, well, that, that that proves and underlines that austerity was completely a choice. But mm. you got to remember when austerity happened, we were already, you know, the the percentage of our our GDP that was for our structural deficit and borrowing was was massive. Arguably, right, you could say that we're able to spaff a bit of money now because we did what we did, and in a way, mm. it's a good thing. Obviously, that is highly contestable. <laughs> right? I, mean, I can imagine in all the ways I will be contest, contested. You can see Jeff has had his fair share of online abuse at this point. He's hedging everything. Well, yeah, yeah. we've all become a bit savvy, haven't we? Yeah. Obviously, that's highly contestable. <laughs> and then you do like you boys do your sort of GMB edit of that, where yeah. you find another bit of me just clunking my fist out. <laughs> No admission that that could be uh, debated at all, but that's certainly yeah, that is how I see it. And I think that uh, I think yeah, and I think if, in fairness to Corbyn, right? Um, We've if, never heard that out of your mouth yeah. before. Well, yeah, I? when they're on their way out, you can afford to be <laughs> fair to them. Yeah, you know, in fairness to the uh, the pensioner that is uh, now on his way, is that he did he did draw the argument further left economically. But mm. you know, as, as a lot of people have always said, it is easier for the right to go left economically than mm. it is for the left to go right culturally, because mm. the left has such an utter distaste for anything that they see to be you know right wing thinking, or, or, or certainly in some quarters. Patriotism, mm. it's really difficult for them to track back the other way. But but the right, I mean, the Tories <laughs> are brilliantly shape shifting. Yeah. The way they suddenly go, well, no, spend some money. Yeah, that's what we've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> go, it wasn't what you were saying. <laughs> go, look, we are where we are. And, and, and now is definitely the, the, the right time to be doing that. You know, and public services do need to be uh, invested in. But it is really easy for, to forget that, you know, in 2010, with the amount that Britain owed and was lending, there was there was re- there was real potential issues of people losing faith in our country's ability to repay its debts, and we're not in that position now. And I was going to ask, why is it still? I felt like a real Tory MP when I said <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I Mate, you're, like you're a... wearing the blue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't normally wear. This is me. I normally wear like like polo shirts, but mm. I thought, you know what. Four, yeah. 43 now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is an audition. You know, yeah. I'll be the next Rishi Sunak. <laughs> uh, do you know what? My mom, I went for lunch with my mum, who's a massive Tory. Uh, yeah. And uh, massive. To- what is it? Like? Uh, oh, she's fully right wing. First generation immigrant, yeah. right wing. But a normal sized woman. A normal sized woman with massive yeah. Tory views. She looked at me. She went, Rishi Sunak, Francis, 39 years old. Yeah. And she just stared at me. And then went and then asked oh, me how no. my comedy was doing. Oh dear. oh dear, how old are you now? Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. That's all right. Rishi came into it late. Yeah. You, you say you just just to go. What may I will be if I'm not prime minister by the time? Because obviously we're all going to die because of coronavirus. Yeah. This is a good time to make sort of like pledges that you can't see through. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you can bat way above your average after the corona's over. Yeah. Mate, if you survive, there's yeah. going to be opportunities, mate. There absolutely is. But why is it that people are still? ashamed, dare I say, to admit that they're Tory. I don't know if they are as much now. I certainly, I'd like to think that, you know, I've been at the vanguard of, uh, <laughs> of uh, you know, demystifying the, uh, the Tory. But I, I, I think, it, you know, part of the reason I got into talking about it in the first place, I just thought it was so immature. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was so ridiculous. Yeah. Especially after the 2015 election, we had this thing of shy Tories, right? Yeah. And I thought, it's so ridiculous when you've got these two, like, obviously two 
sort of sides of a different coin of, of how you manage the world and the economy and stuff. And the, and the idea that one of them is inherently good and one is bad, it was just fatuous to me. Mm. It was embarrassing, mm. I felt. It was intellectually uh, embarrassing. And, and I did feel that that needed to be challenged. You know, and I've challenged that um, quite a lot. And, and I do think now that what's harder for the left, perhaps, is that, is that if they want to be mean about Tory voters, now it's about a set of voters that are equally characterised as working class. Mm. So when you're kind of digging out, kind of like um, angry from Tunbridge Wells, I'm not talking about you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he will end up Tory if he's living in <laughs> But they're not essentially... That's why I live there, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just in the closet, unlike you. <laughs> I know, I'm out and proud. And, yeah. I, and I, I think that, um, you know, it's it's easier for you to just, you know, take the piss out of Daily Mail readers yeah. in the mm. South East. Mm. When, you know, like the Tory may encompass a lot of people from ex-mining town, Again, mm. it becomes a lot a lot harder to pin pejoratives insults on people. Is it? They just go racist. Yeah. Well, no, but that was leave. That was yeah. more of a leave thing. But not even then. Like, I don't just... take our leave USP. <laughs> yeah. bit... No, right? Leave is stupid and racist. <laughs> Tory is selfish and evil. Yeah, selfish, evil, and greedy. Yeah, really. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, of course. So I'm is. a stupid, racist, selfish, evil person. So how did you feel? You must have felt vindicated on the day of the election. You must have been, you know, secretly well, happy about it or maybe openly happy uh, Well, there was a part of me. I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy Boris's tone of campaigning. I felt that it was quite... Uh, Hiding in the fridge. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like, and, and ducking the Andrew Neil interview. I just felt like... But, I mean, obviously, strategically, they clearly knew what they were doing. Yeah, I just I, didn't appreciate it. I couldn't it. get why, why that wasn't a bigger issue because I just thought it was such a weak move. But this, but we go back to gaslighting, right? Mm. No, did you see the percentage of things that the public kind of re, were, were fully aware of throughout the election? Mm. So they listed all the big moments. The one of the biggest actually was Jacob Rees-Mogg's insensitive comments about mm. Grenfell, mm. and then after that, virtually nothing. So you know they probably banked on the fact that guys like us. And, you know, us chattering classes, commentary out, whatever you want to call us, we're obsessing about this day in, day out. The rest of the British public aren't giving a toss. And there, there is something good about the, the degree to which the British public care mm. is that they're able to zero in on what really matters, right? Mm. They're not getting confused by day in, day out, mm. PR clusterfucks, right? Mm. They are absolutely right. What are the top line issues here? And if you read the Lord Ashcroft report, which I obviously haven't, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a tweet yeah. and I've absorbed a very small bit of it and thought I'll chat about that when I'm next talking about stuff. But it, it's really interesting the way that it characterises how working class people saw the Labour Party mm. because they're right. Like, there's a really smart deduction of like, well, you know, intention's good, they've overcommitted, they don't really have the competence to deliver it, deliver it. they're distracted by social uh, social justice issues and, and niche concerns, obsessed with Palestine, mm. you know, like, the, the public were right. And mm. sometimes there's a real virtue in just because, because politics is so big and so complicated, there's a real merit into getting it right down, right? What are the main issues mm. at heart here? Mm. And that's why something like Brexit, get Brexit done, was such a successful mm. slogan because I think um, I think Labour's was what was it? Oh, it said it's time for real change. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's very. That sounds like a sort of like if you're a pensioner that goes on a river cruise or something like that. Is, <laughs> change your river cruise. Yeah. You know? mm. uh, but that. But all the good slogans for a while now have been ones that are dynamic. So, mm. like whether you agree with it or not, "Make America Great Again" is a mm. dynamic, mm. positive mm. sentiment. Take back control is a positive sentiment. Get Brexit done, you know, mm. for the many, not the few, was quite successful. Mm. Um, the worst of, of recent times was probably Hillary Clinton's was I'm with her. Yeah. yeah. 
That's the shit is. Yeah. Who signed off on that? Yeah. I'm with her. Because the thing is, right, one, it, it, it alludes to a sort of feminist agenda, which could be a good thing, mm. right? But on the other, on the, but it won't be to everybody, mm. right? And then on the other hand, it makes it sound like you're going to some sort of VIP bar and you're not even on the list yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with her. <laughs> you might not get in. But it just yeah. shows, it shows the deluded sort of thinking that can yeah. go behind. I mean, you know, saying liberal bubble, that stuff have, have become cliches, but they've become cliches because they're true. We've got a fantastic new sponsor at Trigonometry, which is The Economist. Indeed, The Economist are not just about economics and finance. They also cover lots of other subjects. Many of you at the moment are concerned or worried or simply interested about the coronavirus. And that is something they've covered extensively, giving lots of interesting detail about the potential economic impact, what's going to happen to the markets, whether it might even be a good time to invest, things like that. So I really recommend checking it out. The Economist is your smart guide to the forces that are affecting the world and changing the world around you. You can get a free copy through us, all you have to do is listen to Francis. Absolutely. Probably the only time he's ever said that. And all you need to do is text the word trigonometry to 78070. That's text trigonometry to 78070. And what challenges do you face now as being a conservative comedian mm. when actually you've won? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm definitely broadening what I'm talking about. And on the current tour, um, Taking Liberties, which is out on the road to the end mm. of, well, either humanity or, <laughs> or, or, or April, or as, the, <laughs> as things stand. Which may be both at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Um, he's, I'd already sort of moved on, is the truth, because I've been doing shows mm. on this since uh, 2016, right? So I did mm. one in 16, 17, 18. They're all new hours, right? Mm. So, so you can't keep... I mean, obviously, I'm playing to, like, bigger audiences now, but uh, you can't keep saying the same thing creatively. So I was already talking about civil liberties and, you know, like uh, nanny state issues, which obviously Tory and Labour are guilty of, and, and you know, censorship and stuff and more broader subjects, really. So I didn't do that because I thought, oh, the, the Tories are going to suddenly win this argument, which solves both like kind of like, uh, you know, the sort of magic bullet that solves Brexit and the kind of uh, like minority parliament. Mm. But now I'm glad that I did because I was already talking about different things. I mean, obviously in the show, I, um, I, I will talk about stuff as it happens, you know, like, like Labour leadership contests. There'll always be things that come around. Mm. But I think it is interesting now because it's been so long since there was real power at the heart of government, right? Probably to, to sort of mid, early to mid Blair. But now that there is, the fight is very much about who exercises that power. And that's just as interesting. And it, it, it still involves left and right, but it's just it's left and right from within, you know, the body of people, the executive mm -hmm. uh, effectively. And, you know, looking at the power struggles of people like Cummins and Johnson. I suppose another thing is as well, I feel much more at ease in, in criticising the Tories now because there was a long, long period where I just felt like the comedically that wasn't coming from anywhere, you know, mm. and I felt it was totally disproportionate. Whereas now, you know, ultimately I'm a political comedian first and foremost, mm. so my job should be if to make funny jokes about what's happening politically. Now, obviously, I've got a bias, so that will naturally <laughs> come out that that will probably be more towards the left and liberal left and remain. But, oh, you know, there's got to be something back the other way because I don't even know if you could call yourself a satirist if there wasn't. Right. No, there's got to be balance. But uh, you mentioned the, the Labour leadership election. I think this is maybe an area where you talk about the culture war being just something that people like us engage in. Yeah. Where I think I probably would disagree with you because I think the Labour leadership is a good example yeah. of where the culture war 
issues that ordinary people couldn't give a toss about have now infected major mainstream politics to the point mm. where it's affecting their electoral prospects. If they keep banging on about trans women and all this other bullshit, yeah. you know, people don't care about that stuff. Well, no, it's a, really, it's a really good example. And that's one of the problems. I mean, Labour have always been incredibly proud of their half a million membership, you know, and it's mm. an impressive stat. Mm. But it also means that they're bound to create content, right? We, we all create content, don't we? <laughs> we create content, and we know sometimes the way that we need to shape that for the people that like mm. what we do. We've got to throw out some red meat every once mm. in a while. Mm. Um, and the Labour have to do that for half a million people. Mm. And so what it creates is, you know, they used to have 12 and a half million voters. They've got half a million members. So they're often having to say things and do things, especially, and, and this is what's really killed them, is how long this leadership contest is. Mm. I mean, they're the only people that are delighted about coronavirus are the Labour Party, right? Because like, <laughs> thank God we had to fight. We got to finally stop talking in public. Because as you say, the best example of that is Lisa Nandy, right? Mm. Who mm. I thought had a really good campaign and she was give a very good account of herself uh, against kind of like the big attack dog interviewers like Andrew mm. Neil, uh, Nick Robinson, not an attack dog, but you know, like a mm. big figure, uh, Andrew Marr. But then she kind of like, she did what she did one public debate where she, uh, she was asked about legalizing cannabis and she said, oh no, oh, I was, oh, oh, steady on, you know what mm. I mean? Steady mm. on, that's a bit, you know, I haven't had that chat. And then she was, you no, know, obviously she's been asked about trans issues where she holds a, a progressive view that is mm. way ahead of the vast majority of the British public. And you sort of think there's this weird tension there that you're willing to say something that's so out on a limb and potentially alienating, you know, or get dragged into it on one issue. And yet you ask about legalising cannabis and you're like a 1960s Tory going, <laughs> oh, no, well, we haven't had a chat about that. I think that's a long way off. And I think that that is the problem is that to win this Labour leadership uh, election, you do have to curry favour with a membership who are like the world's most militant Patreon. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just demand, you know, constantly mm. demanding the things that, that they give a shit about. And and I think that we're starting to see that, that it could be a hamstring for the Labour Party because, you know, they're enthralled to the unions, mm. right? We've always known that. We always knew that, like, funding-wise, Tories were big business. Mm. Labour were the unions and the Lib Dems were, like, the campaign for fucking real ale or, <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Yeah. But now Labour have got this this dual pressure, which mm. is unions and membership. And yeah. then the unions, a lot of which have this kind of, like, you know, 1970s style, some of them do, have, a, have quite an old-fashioned socialist agenda. The membership have, like, liberal values from the year 3000. <laughs> How could it possibly go wrong? You know? Sounds like a great busted yeah. song, mate. It does, yeah. I've been a year even not, not much has changed, but they're still out of power. Yeah. There you go. The only way to get cannabis legalised is we need to brainwash them into thinking that it's part of the transition process. Yeah. <laughs> that way you can well, get the it thing done. About, the thing about cannabis, I, I understand the reticence to a point, but sometimes the British public are ahead of the political establishment mm. in terms of li their liberal values. And, yeah. and I think the concern is, right, and it's always been that if you're the prime minister or leader that suggests it. The first thing you get is the Photoshop mock-up of you with a spliff on the front <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> Boris has had far worse. I mean, some of yeah, the shit yeah. that guy's taken, you think I mean. cannabis is fucking mild. Well, yeah, in the Tory leadership contest, it wasn't like a day that went past without one of them admitting that they'd done smack fucking <laughs> you. I mean, it's almost, it almost became like an arms race. As to, I've done that weird shit where you see the devil. Mate. It was almost like, you know when blokes, teenage boys are sitting around going, opium. Yeah. Yeah. My the, dad's done heroin. Yeah, yeah. 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 The Tory leadership is a new rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. It was at that time. Um, it was yeah. at that time. Whereas, you know, the Labour leadership. So, yeah, like like, like you say, I, I, I think that they keep... I mean, Blair is right, ultimately. I think we are going this weird period of, 
there's a lot of people say this Tory this Tory administration could be quite Blairite because mm. one of the, the the principles of Blairism was was don't go to war with the public unnecessarily. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like like if you really want to do good for the country, don't get bogged down in kind of culture and identity debates. Whereas a lot of Labour thinking, particularly over the last five years, has been. The opposite. Mm. Now get bogged down, man. Don't, don't worry about running the country. Get right into the nitty gritty of uh, of things that the membership care about. And it's just it is it is ridiculous to a lot of people, right? Mm. You'd say that you know. I mean, I know that that trans women competing in sport isn't the biggest deal when it comes to the mm. trans community. And I know that the vast majority of trans people, overwhelming, don't aren't competing in international mm. sport. Mm. You know, they have a high rate of, of suicide. There's a lot of mental health issues there. So this is the real issue. But obviously in this one issue, like with, with toilets and to a degree sport, it, I just think you'd struggle to find people that weren't perplexed by the idea that someone who is still metabolically, demo, metabolically demonstrably stronger can compete against mm. a, a, a woman. I think I, I think that you, you you know if you were poll if you polled on that I'm, I think you're talking in the high nineties percents of people. Mm-hmm. I mean this is just, like I said I'm, I'm guessing at this but sort of anecdotally that's what I'd suggest. So for Lisa Nandy to not come out with a clear line on that was a, an odd shout. Mm. But in defence of Lisa Nandy, isn't part of the problem which you've just alluded to is that the Labour leadership is an impossible job because the reality is you can't please. The it's like trade the England manager, yeah. 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 You can't please the socialists and you can't please the progressives at the same yeah. time. You're going to piss one or the either off. Yes, yeah, and and maybe you know there was a lot of talk throughout Brexit that the Tories would, it would be the thing that would break the Tories, mm. right? But they've sort of forgot the way again that the Tories have this shapeshifting ability to just just reform <laughs> yeah. as something else. And whereas the Labour Party, that you know, I, I always thought, and this isn't just being wise after the event, I always thought that it was a bigger problem for them in the long term because it kind of highlighted Brexit, the fault line within their party between mm. a kind of metropolitan liberal uh, MP class mm. and then, you know, obviously the trade union class on the other side. But now you've got this third element, which is uh, the membership. I mean, like, if Keir Starmer becomes leader right and then within and as he probably will he'll dilute the agenda over a couple of years there'll be a lot of labor members that will want something else they want something a bit bit spicier a bit a bit more hard left because they've got they finally got their chance to have that and they won't they won't want to see it go away so easily when it was taken from them in in sort of late 80s Mm. they didn't have the size of membership they didn't have the social media now they're not just gonna blindly vote for what they see to be as quasi blairite party, they'll, I would suspect there'll be something that will come up in its absence. They'll give Jeremy another go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll be, they'll, they'll be, they'll be, I mean, if you had a Jeremy Corbyn party, they'll be like, yeah. they'll do okay. You yeah. know. They'd probably <laughs> half a million membership. They'd be doing better than Change UK, I think. Yeah, yeah, they would be. Uh, but in terms of the Tories, I know you don't all have a WhatsApp group, but do you, yeah. do you think... What, that... Tories in comedy? There's <laughs> <laughs> three people. No, there's not. There's loads well, of them, but none of them can admit it. <laughs> no, a lot of them are. Oh, they call themselves libertarians. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, just admit, you're, you're <laughs> a Tory. Like Dominic Frisbee right <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, but, they're, but they're all the cool guys. Like Dominic, they're all cool, man, and trendy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a, a tabloid reading. <laughs> do you, what, what tabloid do you read? Well, I, I read them online now. But um, no, you know what? You're right. It's probably up on that. What, in terms of you just sound can, like you're reading yeah, tabloid. No, well, <laughs> this is the, the fucking Daily Mail, man. I, I, I get my news from 
Goggle box. <laughs> Come on, mate. You read the fucking Times and the Economist. I, I, bet do, you do. I do read the Times. To be honest, I've, I've stopped reading a lot of newspapers not, uh, full stop, and that's not like a conscious decision. That's <laughs> be the worst. It'd be great if that was a brilliant It's a conscious thing. decision to play to my working class roots. No, no, I just, I just, I don't know why. I'm, I'm totally self-absorbed is the truth. I get <laughs> up, check Twitter, check all my stuff, like tour sales and all that. So it's, it's, not, it's not really a cool kind of like, no, nah, man, I've tapped out of MSM. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just I've <laughs> tapped into my own shit probably too yeah. hard. So in terms of the Tories, though, I mean, Boris Johnson, you know, for all the people saying, you know, we've got a hard right government, you know, he is a liberal Tory, yeah, yeah. right? So do you think that he's going to be able to hold the Tory coalition together as yeah. more and more people who may be kind of economically harder right than he mm. is or culturally hard? I mean, he like, look at the immigration point system that they've introduced. In my opinion, it's actually going to create more immigration, not less, right? Mm. So do you think that he's going to be able to hold the Tory coalition together effectively as a lot of the people who were delighted that he had a clear message on Brexit start to realise that actually he's quite a lot softer than many of them are. Well, that was odd, you know, watching the election campaign and the way that he was represented. And obviously there were those those two articles, several articles, <laughs> things that he said that were, at the very least, you know, unwise. I mean, certainly... In the case of the the watermelon smiles and the piccaninnies, like when you mm. read, I, I I think it's totally legitimate for anybody to read that article and come to the conclusion that that he's a racist. But I do get the the impression that a lot of people haven't read the article. Mm. So that's what I'd say is to anyone watching this, it's it's really interesting to read that article because obviously it was a it was interestingly quite an anti-imperial. It was a themed uh, piece. I yeah, don't yeah. think he was being racist. Oh well, but you know what I think he really, he does right is because he's smart. I think he sort of takes a stance where he knows he's on the moral high ground, and then he uses that high ground to get in a few cheeky words. That's my honest take on it. Mm-hmm. So I think he deploys that kind of language for comedic effect or to push the boundary because he's taking that stance. So I don't think it's actually as clear cut as any of the sides of the mm-hmm. argument. What I did find was interesting. It just shows how something can stick politically. Is that mm-hmm. when I every time I ask people um, if they'd read the article um, they hadn't read the article the one about um, uh, Muslim women looking like letterboxes which was done when he was foreign secretary I think you know it's even hard, that's harder to defend still because it's just like why are you getting involved in this sort of mm. nonsense do you know what I mean like it's just I just I quite like serious politicians you know like the, you know a, an article written a long time ago as a columnist I think is quite different than mm. something written when you were holding one of the five great offices of state so it's obviously you can make a defense of it on a free speech platform and all that sort of stuff. But like, I'd rather say, you know, a fair bit of my free speech stuff for artists <laughs> and columns. Not the fucking foreign secretary. You should just be getting on with being the foreign secretary. Like, like he shouldn't be allowed to say it, but you don't want the foreign yeah. secretary to yeah, be exactly. doing Yeah, just that. get, just, just, you know, just toe the line, mate, a little bit. And he, um, but he, you know, that article again, he was talking about, um, he was talking about defending the right of, of women to right. wear burqa and niqab and, and hijabs in public spaces, right? But he's done the same thing again. He's mm. sort of taken the morally liberal view, but and I don't know if it's him throwing red meat to a certain side of what he believes to be his supporter base. So he's sort of... that. That's what I find a bit duplicitous. He sometimes plays both of the angles. You know what I think with Corona, he might make it mandatory for women to wear the hijab. <laughs> just, yeah, just be, as a protective measure. Yeah, that would be ironic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, he, but come back to my point, which is, mm. can he hold the Tory coalition yeah. together 
as a liberal Tory, given that, you know, many of the concerns about Brexit, I mean, the, the, there's a significant number of people who are seriously concerned about the level of immigration that we've had. Mm. And I'm not sure that he's necessarily going to be the person who's going to, you know, crack down. on. No, I don't. I don't think he will be yeah. that. I think, you know, certainly for me as a Brexit voter, my, my, my desire for the take back control of borders wasn't to suddenly end immigration. Mm. It was just I always found that um, having unlimited immigration in perpetuity mm. was a bizarre sort of absolutism. Well, it's like, not sustainable. What, so unlimited forever, no circumstances. Yeah. Mm. Could ever interfere with that, right? And, and so I wonder if Johnson, who is also, uh, you know, a liberal like me, mm. uh, probably that was more what he took issue with more because it is a, it's an example of a lack of sovereignty, isn't it? Mm. You can't take a decision based mm. on your own needs. But I think that what, in terms of the parliamentary party, um, I think that they stared the abyss in the face so hard, you know, <laughs> like literally bits of their, you know, like in the films yeah. where bits of their eyebrows are getting yeah. sucked yeah. into this fucking <laughs> vortex. Mm. So they will just be happy that the party exists. The other thing about his his um, majority, the size of it, means that there is a number of ERG types that can comfortably rebel as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. without, without sort of... Uh, causing the downfall of the government. But what about, the, sorry, Francis, yeah. I just want to get this point yeah. home. What about the, the, the people who are working class northern voters, yeah. perhaps, whose concerns about immigration were harder lined than yours, mm-hmm. right, in terms of the Brexit vote and, and the 2019 election? Do you think there's a risk that he might alienate them by not having a, a kind of more hard line position? Possibly, but even more so than before, there's nowhere else to go, if you know what I mean. Mm. So if he alienates them and we have another, you know, so we've left the EU and mm. the Labour Party are still, as I think, what, what might happen to the Labour Party is after three years of being behind in the polls, they might change leader again or they might change tax. So I, I can't tell what he'll be up against by then. But uh, like I said before, a lot of things will be based on early impressions the first year or two. Maybe that's why Pretty Patel's, you know, the noises she's been making, right? You make those noises, you create... A narrative, and in a weird way, mm. the left play into this because they, like you say, the, the points-based system could easily create more immigration. But the left-wing press and left-wing Twitter and social media acts like she's the most draconian, uh, you know, anti uh, sort of racist, essentially home Hates minister brown people, since, yeah. since time began. When actually, so that, so that might be the kind of thing that, in a way, mm. if there are more nationalist type voters that have gravitated towards mm. Johnson, that rhetoric might be the thing that sort of saves him uh, in a weird way. But do you not think we're at quite a dangerous point politically? And I'm saying that as the only lefty in the room, eh, because we don't are have you, an opposition. I'm a centrist, mate. Are you officially... <laughs> I, I, I'm a centrist, mate. Look, it's, look how it. It, it's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, 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 mate. I know I'm, you're indoctrinating him. <laughs> see, I've been introducing him to uh, Christy Constantine, me, <laughs> Councillor Haynes. <laughs> What's your feel when you yeah. rub up against I've the... been opening for Jeff, so he's rubbing yeah, off on Yeah, me. he started as Lib yeah. Dem. He's now drifted further to I the right. I used to vote for the Lib Dems, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. This once. is what yeah. you fucking done, mate. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's called, you know, how old are you? 37. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I've, st- I've stopped at Tory. I'm not going any further right now. I, th- I think I've caught an There's not much further right to go. I mean, yeah. there's no party that, that's really there anymore, is there? Yeah, and of course, the Brexit Party would have argued that they weren't sort of orientated. No. Uh, mm. I mean, a lot of people argued against that. So, so in the absence of UKIP, yeah. That, and maybe, like, going back to your point, maybe that is what, 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 what Johnson is politically relying on, mm. is, is that electoral reality. Where, where else are you going to go? But is that not dangerous, that we do not have a Credible opposition. Like we make jokes about the Labour Party. I know, oh, totally. I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's dangerous. No, but this is part of and no one ever believes me, but this is partly why I dig out the opposition as much as I do, because I think that in the age of spitting image, right? Spitting image was a great example. Mm. Think mm. about comedians, a lot of comedians are hesitant about doing anti 
sort of Labour Party jokes because it's seen as by proxy being in support of the Tories, right? Mm. So if you say that on a panel show, it's your face on it, mm. you're the one who will get stick. And maybe that was true in the 80s. The difference between with spitting image was, was these were puppets, there was a team of writers, people did the voices, it was almost like a Russian roulette thing mm. if you didn't really know where the bullet was coming from, right? Mm. So then you had a show like Spitting Image, which maybe 30 to 40% of it was about the opposition, which is what I always thought comedy should be. Mm. Mm. So I, so when I'm doing the job, and, and, and I know that people, left-wing people or Labour voters will be spitting at their laptops as I'm talking, I honestly think I'm doing something of, of worth because it's that, and you look at a lot of things that, that I and, 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 and the people that critique in the Labour Party have said in jest have been things that if they'd listened to, they would have done better, right? If they would, there would have been good advice to follow. So it's not a case of just taking the piss out of them for its own sake. Mm. It's saying, do you realise how you're seen by people like me? Mm. But well. it's also as well, like, with all due respect, the Conservatives were crap for the past few years. If you look at the way they handled Brexit, yeah. awful, dreadful. Mm -hmm. If you look at Windrush, a disgrace. Yeah. All of these things, and yet we, the Labour still couldn't win. I love the way he listed two well, things and then said no, no, all of these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah, also but, one of them was yeah. the <laughs> outside of. Yeah. You know, like there was, there was uh, yeah. I but mean, Brexit should have been enough to sink the Conservative Party. It should have been enough. But one thing that I think is odd that gets discounted from the last few years is the jobs market. I mean, like you know, as Bill Co uh, Clinton, as Bill Co Cosby always, I'm says, not sure how many jobs he created. <laughs> sweet mate. dreams. Uh, <laughs> no, as Bill, as Bill Clinton always says, we're going to clip that. <laughs> it's up to you. It's a joke. Well, well hey, Bill, Bill Clinton isn't that far away from Bill Cosby <laughs> on yeah. the whole scheme. Yeah, I mean, they both. Like, yeah, not, the, yeah. You wouldn't let either of them babysit. No, yeah. no. Um, oh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how unfortunate, mate. He's got, he might die in jail. Yeah. It's funny. Well, so I saw a lot of things. It was a really simple joke. Well, don't rape people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever agreed with Jess Phillips on Twitter. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think I uh, like that tweet yeah. as well. This yeah, is, she this tweeted, she, he was complaining about how he might die in prison, and she just tweeted, well, maybe this is why he shouldn't rape <laughs> yes, people. Yes, that was where I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So not, not Bill Cosby, but Bill, as Bill Clinton <laughs> said, you know, it's the economy, stupid. So, like, the economy is, is the, the biggest way of people having skin in the game, right? Whether it's having jobs, having houses, mortgages, mm. whatever, right? You all need it to keep going. So, the record number of people in employment, as much as the left try and poo-poo it, you know, mm. and say, well, this is because of zero-hours contracts. One, it was at the beginning of the jobs revival, but after that, for a long time, it's been full-time jobs mm. that have been leading the way, right? People are working, right? Uh, uh, waging, wage uh, settlements started to outstrip inflation. Mm. These are the irony is is the Tories the, for the first time in a long time they were doing what they're supposed to do right mm. the Tory brand is run the economy well get people working feel, people feeling like they've got a few quid but mm. actually that's been the thing that's been discussed least about them mm. the last few years and what will be sort of ironic for them is if coronavirus and stuff derails the economy and they seem to have handled it badly the um, the, the jobs market is at a record peak there's only one way it could go right. So, you know, it could lose loads of jobs and we'd still be in relatively historically good position, but it would look like mm. things were catastrophic and they'll probably regret, I think, not making more of that in, in the good times. Because weirdly, the Tories spend a lot of time trying to deal with the ways that they're perceived negatively and turn it around. But actually, the things they do positively, they've almost got this weird public school thing of not being able to pat themselves on the back. You know, they don't seem to know how to shine a good enough light on the buoyancy of the jobs market. So that, in answer to your question, that is the biggest single reason, I think, 
that one of the two biggest single reasons that the last election result happened, because when Labour were talking about this broken Britain and no one's got jobs and everyone's on the food beds, mm. the truth was for most people that wasn't true. So they're mm. talking about you know, a political and economic environment that didn't make sense to, to a lot of mm. people. It's not saying that there weren't people struggling. Of course there weren't. But, you know, people, you know, households had more people in work, more women in work, more ethnic minorities in work than ever before. So it was a weird narrative. Mm. And do you think as well like, that the left, and again, I'm part of the left, the, the deeply patronising attitude to ethnic minorities will go, well, they're all going to vote Labour yeah. because they're all liberal. And that is quite frankly bollocks. Well, but it's also like, you know, certain, you know, you look at, uh, you know, British uh, Asians for quite mm. a long time. It has, you know, it's not, there's not any specific, there's always been a reasonable record of them mm. voting for the Conservatives. And I think the entitlement, for, one of the things that incites, excites me most about the political age that we're living in is that all of the parties are having to, to pitch mm. for the business, right? That's how it should have always mm. been. No givens, no gimmies, right? Every election, every vote, well, why should I vote for you? Not because your granddad worked in a mill, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and not because your, your granddad was a doctor and that's what our stories do. You know, more a case of, of, of a play-by-play basis. That's what democracy should always be. Mm. You know, like you get party officials and stuff, you, a small amount that have to stay loyal for the mechanism to work. The rest of us, we're always, we should always be floating voters, really. I think there are a lot of reasons why I, should, I will probably, probably vote Conservative, but it's not an absolute given. Mm. Do you saying you could vote Lib Dem then, Jeff? Well, I'd probably, based on the last election, probably it would be to not vote at all. Because there was like, look at last election. There were times I got frustrated with the Conservative campaign. But I was like, well, I'm not going to vote for Lib Dems. It's just, you know, the, the arrogance of the way that they thought that they mm. could, you know, revoke a vote. And it, it goes me great heart that the public mm. were broadly in line with rejecting that sort of extremist stance. And the Labour Party, I mean, just a million miles away mm. from a party I could vote for. So, it, yeah, it would, have, it would have been just to not vote at all. And do you think that we're seeing a sort of new humility amongst our MPs? Mm. Because they've sort of realised that the game has changed. Mm. There's no such thing anymore, really, with certain exceptions, as a safe seat. And yeah. we've seen it with the way Labour got decimated. Mm. So there's a lot of people looking at their seats thinking to themselves, well, there's a chance I could lose this. I really need to up my game and connect with the voter. Well, I mean, it's, it's no surprise that, that a lot of the Labour MPs that were most sympathetic to the idea of honouring Brexit were the ones that had to <laughs> face constituencies that had voted for for Brexit. Mm. But, they, you know, they were roundly not ignored, but... I mean, how Labour changed policy on Brexit, given the numbers mm. and all, where all their marginals were in Labour heartlands. I mean, this is the thing they keep making out Keir Starmer is the grown-up in the room, you know. Mm. Centrists love this idea, you know, he's the adult in the room because he seems clever and he is, like, intellectually clever. But he was one of the architects of Labour's change in, in policy on Brexit, you know, and he, he led the way on that. And, and, you know, there are arguments that Labour were snookered at that election mm. to a point. But when you're, when, you know, when it's, touch and go, you look at the marginals and all the marginals will leave constituencies. I just think in, in that election, because of the change in the party membership that you've talked about, mm. I don't think there was a way out for them. They, they had yeah, to chop yeah, off be, this yeah. arm or that arm and they would have ended with no arm, whatever they yeah. did. You know? So being Labour, they chopped off their arm. <laughs> <laughs> chopped off their penis. And that's not a, that's not a trans reference. <laughs> I was just going for another part of the body. Yeah. You, you can never join the Labour Party again, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're disappointed. Well, we've got a few minutes left and you mentioned Corona and mm. the potential impact. I mean, one of the things obviously will affect the economy, but the question is, 
you know, how much of a discount does the government get for the fact that it was, I mean, look, they, they can do stuff about it, but mm. ultimately it's, you know, it's an act of God kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, it will be how it plays out, right? If mm. there is, a, if eventually it peaks in Britain in the same way that it has been doing in Italy, and if the NHS is unable to cope, and if the narrative sticks that the reason is because of cuts and you know and stuff like that, even though there was a stat recently that showed that the number of hospital beds have been going down throughout the Blair years as well. But again, these things, it's whether the narrative sticks, right? So they may be held accountable for that. I mean, bear in mind, right, if you want to like a historical parallel, is that, you know, you know um, John Major, 1992, mm. surprise victory, right? You know, he got a huge unexpected share of the vote. Immediately afterwards, Black Wednesday, right? Uh, Britain pulls out of the ERM, the economy is taken, everything seems to be in freefall. So it, it, this idea that like it's just a, a guaranteed five years of Boris, there's, there's a degree of economic clusterfuck that could pull any government down, mm. right? Any government. I mean, like you look at the, the reduction in GDP that could occur through this. So in, in fine, even the worst elements of like, I think like in the credit crunch, the worst in one quarter was like minus 1%, right? This could be more than that because if people come to a, a pretty much a grinding hole. You could be looking at record losses in, in GDP, right? You could be. Now, I'm not being a catastrophizer because obviously the way that the virus works, it will also recover quicker as well. But what happens in this period, it, it could sort of set the tone. And it's, it's an unenviable task, right? Enviable? I never know. It's not no, a good, it's an unenviable task. It's not a good task, <laughs> right? <laughs> For anybody coming into this because like, it's this simple idea of like, we'll shut the schools, you know? Yeah. We'll shut the schools, right? Who's going to stay at home with them? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's one kid. Dad, dad drives a you know a coach or a lorry to deliver food, right? Or, or mum's a doctor, you know. So every time you talk about shutting stuff down, you're also taking people out of the infrastructure of mm. the country. Mm. So at some point, you know, as much as there's all these broadcasters at the moment, I mean, there's this weird thing like people are going, "Stop listening to the chief medical officer. Listen to this guy on this radio show. <laughs> it's time we started listening to the broadcasters." <laughs> Because these are really tricky decisions. Mm. And also yeah. there's a decision about how, you know, how you manage the degree of economic contraction. What about the effect that that has on people in, in the long run? You know, so th this, is, this, isn't a, this isn't an aggregate of things. This isn't a, oh, you know, would, would well, if, if, if shutting down schools and offices and public gatherings right now, would it slow down the spread of the virus? Yeah, you know, but if you haven't shut again for two weeks and then reopened before the virus has peaked, it's still knocking about. So, so I, I, I've been surprised that the alarmism, mm. and it's not to say there's nothing to be alarmed about, but it's the scale at which the people expect the government to, to abandon their plan, which is based on the medical advice that they've been given. And this is the weird thing. People In, are tired of experts, mate. <laughs> people are, but now, weirdly, I'm seeing a lot of people who are Remainers who, uh, who say, we should be listening to the experts. Mm. And now they're going, fuck the experts. We should be, li <laughs> we should be listening to Piers Morgan. Yeah. Right? And then someone like me, who, let's be honest, as a Brexiteer, you had to ignore a certain amount of expertise. Yeah. Right? You're going, yeah, fuck the experts. <laughs> now I'm going, no, it's the experts that we should be listening. Yeah. So it's almost like God has sent us away to challenge our, view our own viewpoints yet again. Yeah. He's going, right, I'll show you how subjective this all is. And obviously, in my view, God is like a sort of... Upper-class white Tory. Deep voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, benevolent sort of like uh, Macmillan. God is a woman, yeah. mate. As we, as we keep being told. Yeah. God is a lady. Who's Have you never you heard that? this? Oh, it's feminists love that shit. Yeah. No, I don't... But I've never thought of... Well, I mean... Yeah, like, I've never spoken to a feminist. If you ask me in a sort of like uh, Evan Almighty type yeah. way, yeah, I'm seeing a male... But like, if you really ask me... 
what I thought God was. I, I don't think gender is the first thing. Because if it was the first, or, you know, it just wouldn't have a gender by definition. You know, which so it couldn't compete in weightlifting. Right. I'll tell you what, this is taking a turn. This podcast, yeah. hasn't it? There you go. God is gender neutral. This is a bit to like you know when lads be sitting there and when the space cake starts. To yeah. Now, <laughs> anyone that's just watched the last year, that was when it kicked in and yeah. we just started feeling paranoid. The next bit will be us going out to get a big bottle of Sprite just because yeah. we're all getting paranoid. Like fuck, man. Well, actually, the next bit will be our final question. Yeah, and the final question is: What is the one thing that we're not talking about that we really should be talking about as a society? Well, I suppose the, the thing that precedes and will antecede all of this is the degree to which the state and people should be telling other people to live their lives, right? I'm mm. not just trying to plug the tour show again, but I, it, you have to look at the, the degree of incursion. I mean, you look at schools, for example. Right mm. now, schools can... Inv- in, in, have either of you got kids? No. Nope. No? Right, even at... <clears throat> ever hang out near schools? I, I used to be a teacher. There you go, yes. right? <laughs> we get a I mean, lot of comments think... about Francis' appearance that he yeah. looks like he hangs around around schools <laughs> and not in the teaching capacity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see where it goes. <laughs> but, 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 like, you would have, it would have been a case at school where you can look in kids' lunchboxes now. You know? Really? Yeah, yeah. They can inspect. Some schools do that. So, so these are this this encroachment mm. of the state. So, you know, whether the Tories claim that they've reduced the size of the state or not, in so many other areas, there are an increasing body of people that feel at liberty to tell you how you should be living, saying where you should be driving, whether you should be flying, what your kids should be eating at lunch, and and this is all happening in 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 the background. And it's sort of it's above left or right politics. Mm. It's beyond Brexit. Or, or remain, and 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 I, I, and you know, even a pandemic, right? And and quite rightly, governments should take action. But the thing about when governments take action or they pass emergency laws, they rarely give them back again. It's like emergency taxes. Remember VAT going up to twenty percent just as a temporary measure. Mm. It's been five years now, mm. you know. Mm. Or no, it's been even longer than that. It was twenty ten, wasn't it? Mm. So that's that's my my concern is that we're so used to omnipresent organisations and corporations mm. knowing stuff about us, and you know, like clicking. Yeah, updated terms and conditions, whatever. I mean, who fucking knows what we've mm. said to Apple just so we can keep having music over the years? <laughs> Every single time we've ticked that, what are they saying in these things? Like, yeah, 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 I'm definitely a pedo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will, will you donate your, your, your organs while still living to the CEO of Apple if he has like an incurable kidney complaint? Yeah, it's just fine. <laughs> it's just I don't, I don't want to lose my like U2 uh, deluxe acting baby edition. So yeah, it's fine. Click, click, click. So it's not just that governments like have, have become more I- I- interventionist. If we have, also have these, these, these corporations, and I blame us as human beings, right? We just lazily mm. let this stuff happen. But but they're all, they're also all up in our business yeah. so to a fascinating degree, and I, I don't think it's I don't know if it's reversible mm. at this point, you know, because let's be honest, Amazon is fucking great. <laughs> You've got a terminal case of the nanny state, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, and if you want to hear me talk about it more, you might want to come along to my tour show. Oh, I'll plug the tour show. <laughs> well, Jeff is on tour at the moment. Is yeah. jeffnorcott.com to get tickets? Uh, yeah, or, or if you just go like to my Twitter or my Facebook, I mean, just Jeff Norcott. Tour, but I know the modern internet user needs to be told exactly where stuff is. Yeah, you could go to Live Nation, go to Live Nation website, and uh, yeah, I'm on tour to the uh, end of April. And yeah, like even despite the coronavirus thing, I had, I had my, my my attendance rate last week. I you get no shows in comedy, right? Mm. Was less than usual. I think that, that that's the benefit of having part of your audience being quite Brexity. <laughs> like, we're not staying at home. Like, I'm going more out. Mm. I'll lick his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've been on tour with Jeff Open for him on some dates it's an absolutely brilliant have show have you had your face licked 
That was the most random fucking question <laughs> in the middle of me plugging our guest show. He's done you very well. Yeah. <laughs> He's done very well, uh, but sometimes too well. Like I've almost been like, well, okay, mate. Yeah. Get the, get the old club. No, no, no. Uh, Jeff's like, no, no, that's never happened. He's always been mildly okay. No, no, you know, you've done, you've done great. No, oh, my this, fucking no, shut no, up. No, just plugged this is, a, <laughs> but this is the thing. But this is the thing with comedians. You can't take it when you're just sincere. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I just told him he'd done great. And he got, it freaked me out more than if I told him that he, he was It's because he's lived like, in his country for too long. No, that's it's, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. And like all Brexiteers, Jeff needs a little bit of Russian help every now and again. <laughs> there you go. So it, but yeah. it, is nice. a, it is a crack. Show Jeff is really firing is. on all cylinders right now. He is really, really great. So make sure you go and check out uh, one of his shows. Uh, he's got all over the country, and you're going to Edinburgh this year as well. I will be taking, yeah, and it'll be an amended version of the show. It'll be, it'll be fully updated. So if anybody saw me do the work in progress last year, this mm. is going to be a completely different show. I'll be up there for three weeks. In and also, you do a podcast now. now uh, as a well. podcast, yeah. What most people think. So the revolutionary angle of <laughs> what most people think is just like, what do most people think about this? trying to come to a reasonable view on the big issues of the day. Oh, well done. All right, mate, touch my elbow. Thanks very much for coming on the show. There you go. That yeah. was the most stupid thing we've ever done. Uh, we'll see you again in a week from now with another brilliant episode. Take care. See you next week, guys. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.